Alrighty, everybody. It is definitely 11. No, I'm sorry. It's 1 p.m. I'm used to doing that. It's at 11. 1 p.m. EST on the Eastern Standard side of the world, which means it's time for another exciting, stimulating, amazing, informative BitMart AMA. My guest today is Sky Harris, who is the co-founder of History Dow, and you may have heard him there briefly. Uh, we know that he is here. We know that it is Sky. It's not an imitator. Um, and we are here to talk about the History Dow crypto project, which I'm definitely excited to talk about here. It's already deposited, and you can trade it on BitMart if you would like to, and the token is H. AO. Before I get started talking to Sky, I need to do a little housekeeping here and say that whenever you listen to these BitMart AMAs, which I try to only do on Tuesdays and Thursdays for this reason, so that you know that you can tune in, you can hear the information live as it's happening, you have a predictable source of being able to talk to and interact with crypto projects, especially that are being listed on BitMart, our lovely exchange here. Um, and you know that if you listen to these AMAs, we like to reward you, um, both the project and BitMart. We like to reward you with some of the tokens that we're talking about. And the reward amount for this conversation is going to be 10,000 in HAO tokens for 100 winners. Um, I always say that I'm terrible at doing math on the spot, and that's just 10. That's just metrics. I still can't even parse that out. But it's 10,000 10, HAO for 100 winners. And all you've got to do to be able to go and get that is retweet the link where you found this spaces. Go and follow BitMart Exchange and History Dow on Twitter. Ours is at BitMart Exchange, and History Dow is at History underscore D A O. Tag three friends, fill out the Google form that we've got attached, and you'll be off to the races to win some of those sweet, sweet H A O tokens. And I know you're saying this right now. You're saying, Nathan, I don't know anything about this project. Why would I want these tokens? What are they going to do? What are, you know, that's why we have the conversations. By the end, you're always saying, gosh, not only do I want the free tokens, I need to go to BitMart and buy some of these. And that is how y'all keep me in a job. So please, let's do it. Sky, enough of me chatting and talking. Are you there? Hey, Sky, are you there? You may be still be muted. Yeah, no, sorry. I was just tweeting out real quick. Um, so I was I was stuck and able to unmute. But yeah, I got the tweet out. So good to go. How, how's it going, Nathan? No worries. No worries. Great, great. Glad to have you here. Um, History Dow is a very interesting project to me because not only do I like NFTs, I'm a huge history buff and I never get to talk about it with anybody. So this is like kind of a I see you've got the kind of a Trojan helmet here as like the symbol for your token. And I like the background that you have there on Twitter of like these historical figures looking at art in a museum. And I'm just kind of interested to know about this project. So I guess the, the really, really, you know, easiest way to start before I ask you what your favorite period in history is, is what is history Dow? How'd you get started on this project? Why are you here talking to us today? And you can go as long as you want. Yeah, awesome. Cool to be talking to another history lover, and I think we'll be able to, you know, see eye to eye on some things. And um, yeah, so uh, history, uh, history Dow came from basically we, we saw a couple of pain points, we saw a couple of issues going on. Um, well, the tagline is sort of like history Dow is where the world records history in Web three, and we saw that Web three basically 
blockchain and NFT technology was a really good opportunity to fix some of these problems that we saw. And one of the big ones was, you know, losing precious documents and artifacts to, you know, just the course of history, whether it's Conqueror sacking the Library of Alexandria or whether it's, you know, um, Victor's writing, um, writing history, always writing history. Um, we, we saw there was a lot of issues with, you know, losing documents over time and we've lost lots of really, really precious stuff and really important uh, documents and artifacts. So we see the blockchain as a way to immutably um, and indelibly record history and current events in Web3. So that, that's one of our major pain points we're trying to solve. And then um, the other one, the major one would be um, that there are some flawed business models when it comes to like the news cycle. And so, you know, a lot of news is inflammatory for the sake of getting people to click on um, click on the website, click on the link to get advertisers to get basically as much traffic as possible. And we think that, you know, having users across the world record history and current events as history and NFTs um, is a great way to change that business model and allow users to, you know, create content, record history and um, do it for, for profit. And so, yeah, we're, we're basically in the business of um, creating a platform where users can mint historic and current events immediately on the blockchain. And our goal is to decentralize and democratize the recording of history. That is a totally fascinating and novel use of nfts that i have not seen so that's why i was really interested to talk to you here when i when i saw about it now i try not to learn too much about the project before i have these amas because i kind of want to learn along with the audience but obviously it's it's hard for me to not think of other things since i've been in crypto you know since 2017 and i've just seen so many other things i have however not seen this and you brought up two really really interesting points to me um, as a fellow history lover and that is that no matter what you do, there are moments in history that because they were recorded in a imperfect or perishable medium, they're just gone forever. And it's something that comes to mind um, that I want to say I remember reading about a couple of years ago was uh, for the Apollo space missions in the 1960s. Um, obviously, computers were not as amazing as they are now, and storage was most definitely imperfect. And something happened to where like the Apollo log records were demagnetized either over time because this would have been like 50 years of people not backing them up or something happened to where somebody accidentally erased them or they were stored improperly so they became demagnetized and so now like we know that it happened we still <laughs> we still have a decent amount of logs but like as far as the actual data my understanding was that stuff is just gone and so unfortunately since we didn't back it up properly you kind of just have to, you know the stuff that happened on the surface, but you can no longer go into the details. Are there other examples like that that you can think of in modern, or I know you brought up the ancient history of like the sacking of the Library of Alexandria. Uh, none of us were alive for that. Do you have a, kind of other examples of that that you're like, man, we should just made this an NFT, put it on Ethereum or other blockchains, and we'd be good to go? Yeah, I think that's a super good example because, I mean, you have the the greatest scientists and mathematicians in the world working on this project. And, you know, stuff is just um, fallible to human error. And, yeah, it's, it's a great example of, you know, the best minds in the world coming together and, and still running into issues with, you know, preserving history um, immutably on, on, on some sort of medium. And I think the, the way I like to think about it, that's a really good question about, you know, modern history and some examples of where this solves those pain points. And I think um, 
if you think about like users themselves uploading media, different types of media. So whether it's, you know, like text or headlines or articles or their own, you know, written descriptions, written personal accounts, eyewitness accounts, as well as like eyewitness videos and audio recordings. Um, you can imagine like all of this stuff that's been lost because the current business models, like uh, news business models have layers and layers of editing. They have, you know, um, they have their VCs or their, their fund, their funding to kind of like appease. They have all these different regulations and rules about what can be uploaded. And, you know, some of it's like for the public safety, like, you know, videos of, you know, people dying, obviously, or pornographic stuff, like try to avoid that. Um, but as far as like, you know, the politics of, of recording history and modern history, I think there's a lot of stuff that gets lost and um, gets lost forever and just doesn't really, you know, um, be recorded properly. And when you get things like the internet shut down in these countries, like you can imagine like the Egyptian uprising um, and how people were taken to Twitter when they're overthrowing the regime in Egypt. Um, I think that's a pretty good example of, you know, people being able to upload, you know, directly to Twitter the best that they could from their cell phones because otherwise the internet was down and eventually they brought down the cell service and stuff like that. But, Imagine, you know, users being able to upload that and mint it directly as uh, a history NFT um, put on the blockchain and the world to be able to see it as it's happening. So I imagine those like those kinds of use cases will be the most fascinating for for the project in the future. Absolutely. And, and there's just so many use cases to that. And the, the second thing that I wanted to touch on was, you know, you're totally right. History is written, you know, primarily by the victors. And so not only do the quote losers have their own side of the story, but what about all the people in the middle, you know, like the people that lived through like the bombing of Dresden who had nothing to do with either side, they have a certain historical perspective on what it was like for them. And it's interesting too, to think about historical NFTs later becoming valuable in the same way that um, historical books could become valuable or historical photographs. And something that comes to mind immediately was, you know, obviously NFTs were not around in the 1940s, but I think about that um, that historical photo of, I think it was a sailor kissing a woman on uh, V-Day, you know, with the victory in Europe in New York City. And it's a very, very famous photo. And I thought, gosh, whoever owned that photo, I hope, you know, got a decent chunk of change for it because I think it was like in Life magazine and all over newspapers. But I thought, gosh, if you held the NFT to that, that would probably be pretty valuable today because it is a piece of history that resonates with so many people. And so I'm interested, you know, not for us to get off on this historical tangent, but to talk more about history, DAO, and what you're trying to accomplish with these NFTs. So, um, you know, maybe if you could speak more about that, about like modern historical moments going forward, like placing a value. I'm very interested in this intersection of incentivizing the minting of history, if you could speak about that. Yeah, so we've tried to create like a platform and an ecosystem for um, making this profitable or incentivized or, you know, financially um, beneficial to, to the users. And I think, you know, that's just a big part of what crypto is doing, what they're doing. Um, and I think, you know, a little bit of a disclaimer, I think people are very passionate about current events, politics, sports, um, art, music, you know, all these things that we that people are recording as history NFTs as they happen. But on top of that, like to add financial incentives, I think is is really going to kind of be a game changer. And the, the basic model kind of works like this. So users from all over the world can record history NFTs, which is a combination of different, you know, different types of media. Like I mentioned, um, articles, text, headlines, um, later will support video and audio. Um, 
And then after they upload those into the history DAO platform, um, we have the DAO go, going to work. And so you have uh, members of the DAO that are voting on these history NFTs based on, you know, different, different sort of factors, voting based on their quality, voting based on the organization, voting based on, you know, how creative or innovative they are, you know. And in this way, we have the DAO able to push the top um, history NFTs to the top of the platform. And one feature that we're developing that'll uh, take a little while to deploy, but I think is, is really kind of innovative. And we've seen this in actually a Gamify project is, is where I first uh, ran across this. But um, you can imagine like users create a history NFT and mint a history NFT. And then other users, um, particularly the DAO, would be able to stake the how token on top of that history NFT to basically kind of vote for it. So your vote would be um, through your, your token staking. And then different history NFTs would sort of kind of go through like a gauntlet or a tournament where at different levels, they would either, you know, pass or be better than their opponent history NFT, or, you know, they would, they would lose and fall out of uh, contention. But as they go through these different rounds, both the history NFT creator and those who stake on top of that history NFT to kind of like curate or promote it would both be rewarded with how token rewards. So that's kind of the the direction we want to go with this to make sure that we have kind of like a, a self-sufficient community-driven platform for creating content that people want to see that has to do with, you know, current events, news cycles, and different, all these different categories. And, um, and people who, you know, want to spend the time curating or promoting the best content. So, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to create that kind of system right now to um, sort of create, you know, this, this economy around the history of platform. Yeah, and that's really fascinating. That, that kind of answers a question that I had that came up where I thought, you know, like technically just recording a moment in time is, is, is history, right? Like if I recorded myself in my apartment right now and notated the date and where I am and what's happening, you know, weather, politics, whatever, that is a historical event. But I don't think that, you know, many people, unfortunately, would think would think that it's very significant and it needs to be preserved in the Encyclopedia Britannica. So that's interesting that the voting mechanism comes up to where um, – because you could also see we have this problem on social media now too with, you know, not only fake news but just lower quality news that because it's sensational or because it's – it has, you know, certain buzzwords in it. it gets promoted to the top when really we've all had that experience of you open up your email or something, you go, really, this is, this is newsworthy. This is not important. So that's an, that's an interesting way that you're having people curate and try and figure out a sort of moderation tactic about what's going to reach the top. What do you think is worth preserving? And then you're offering a financial reward on top of that. I'd like you to talk more about the, the, um, is it called the how token or the HAO token? I, I never know, you know, what to call certain tokens. Yeah, that's a good question. We've been calling it how, uh, but HAO works to it. Okay. It, well, it's, it's not, let's go with how, yeah. it's not short for anything other than history DAO, right? So it's like, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. So maybe could you talk about the, um, well, first l- let's go into this. I know that from reading your website here, that the history DAO is only on Ethereum at the moment. Is that correct? Um, we actually just opened up support for Binance Smart Chain. So uh, one issue we're running into is that people are spending too much to mint history NFTs on Ethereum, and now you can do it for a fraction of that on, on Binance. Perfect. Okay, that's great. We can that we can segue into that. Um, about I'd love to know the kind of tokenomics around the how token, and you know it's funny. <laughs> 
people thought that Ethereum moving to proof of stake would like solve all of their problems. But if you really looked into what they were doing with proof of stake, it only solved one problem. And that's just the energy usage. They're still working on stuff, people. You got to pay attention to the, the little details. So I'd love to know the tokenomics of the how token and what other blockchains you're moving um, onto to maybe support because the continued trend I noticed in the crypto world is you have all these rabid fans on differing blockchains and everybody wants interoperability and it's almost like the companies can't keep keep up you know yeah both uh, really good questions and, and good insights about interoperability and we're, we're definitely looking into that as well so I'll, I'll answer that one second as far as the how token um, which you first asked about um basically how token works as a governance token of history dow so how holders um maintain their rights as as DAO members. Um, so how holders are DAO members and DAO members get to have all sorts of, you know, DAO privileges, including project governance, including um, adjusting platform parameters like um, rewards for, you know, history NFTs. Um, something I didn't mention previously was the history NFTs Initially, the, the, the way the system will work is that DAO members will be able to vote on their favorites, and then those will um, be eligible for weekly, monthly, and annual rewards. And so um, the DAO will also you know, adjust rewards based on what they think is, is fair or reasonable. Um, and uh, on top of that, how holders... Um, the, the, the how token is also uh, a decent amount is reserved for litigation purposes. So one thing that we knew that we'd run into um, pretty soon here was, you know, issues over copyrights, issues over um, IP, issues over, you know, just all sorts of kind of like uh, litigation issues. Um, so we reserved a portion of the tokens for that to be able to, to you know, kind of preserve the platform in that way and fight legal battles for our users and, and um, the way that they want to use our content. And so there's a lot of things that we aren't sure how that's going to pan out exactly. And I think uh, the Web3 world is dealing with that currently. So we want to just basically be prepared for that and have some some tokens reserved for that. Um, on top of that, we, um, yeah, like I said, weekly, monthly, annual rewards. Um, and then also um, the how token, uh, how token holders will be able to um, vote on adjusting basically transaction fees for trades on the history DAO marketplace. So a lot of the how tokens utility is through the DAO utility of the platform. And they, they really work quite hand in hand. And I think as we we develop the platform further, like I mentioned, with kind of the curating and promoting system. I think those two will be will be linked even more and more. But um, with that being said, we're, there's also another kind of like split or feature that we're looking into, which is you know not just only enabling token holders or majority token holders to have the most say in the platform. What we're looking at is more of like a 50-50 split between that and community involvement and organization, right? Because if you think about like um, political entities, organizations. Um, people on the ground doing service, volunteering, all these kinds of like community driven um, initiatives, the people who really like spend a lot of time involved in interacting and engaging with those communities or those organizations should definitely be rewarded in one form or another. And so we would love to in the future develop more of a 50-50 split between, you know, your community integration and involvement and engagement. And also, you know, the, the tokens that you hold or the tokens that you, sto you stake or, or use to vote on the platform. So that is sort of a long-winded um, <laughs> response to what the token does. But, you know, I think we want to give it as much utility as possible so that um, people do have a reason to hold the, the token. And people do have, you know, um, a, a thriving ecosystem and a thriving, you know, um, business model to, to lean into with the history.platform. platform. 
And then um, as far as your second question, we are looking basically straight at the, uh, the main platforms, the main blockchain ecosystems that are available right now. So um, we've developed for Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain. Um, we'll be looking definitely next at Solana, Avalanche, um, and, and go from there. So I, I would expect at least another one or two by the end of the year that we'll, we'll deploy on. Absolutely. And you know, a up and coming platform, I shouldn't even say up and coming because it's been around for a long time, but I'm just still blown away by their capacity for NFTs is Cardano. Uh, Wow, that is people are just sleeping on that by leaps and bounds. And if you doubt me, get yourself 2080A and go try that out for yourself. The Cardano NFT ecosystem is, I don't understand why it doesn't get as much hype. Um, as the other ones, probably because they don't do a lot of marketing, but that's besides the point. So also low cost and efficient, similar to the Binance smart chain that you're talking about. So definitely one, not only for history buffs, but also for blockchain enthusiasts. You mentioned something interesting, Sky, in which you're talking about people having more utility from the token, uh, participating in DAO government uh, governance, trying to curate all these historical NFTs. And I see here in some of the notes that I was giving that you're also going to be launching another token called the HIST token, which is going to be specifically used for governance. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that? Yeah, actually, um, that was us going through a name change and a branding change. So his HIST token was the initial name for the token. And then we kind of went through some some rounds of, of voting and internal discussions and stuff like that. So uh, it, it'll just be it'll just be the how token. Oh, OK, perfect. So that, that wraps up nicely. So not only is the how token, um, the kind of financial incentive and the way that you can stake and get rewards and stuff like that, but it all it also is ultimately a utility token. So it's just all there in one package. Yeah, that's right. That's the right way to look at it. And I think uh, maybe just a quick aside, but uh, I've spent a lot of time doing Gamify stuff or looking at the Gamify stuff as well, because I think what they have going on in that space is interesting, especially with dual token systems. And I think there's been a big phase where a lot of projects did dual token and and it works for certain projects, especially Gamify projects. You know, you have, you have so your governance token and then your utility token that most of the users use within the game. But um Recently, the trend has been for some of these projects to go back to a single token system. And I think it's possible to do and honestly also beneficial to do a single token system, depending on what your project does. Um, so we don't want to like create any division between, you know, the players and the team and the owners. Like we don't want one token to really kind of like outshine the other. And we don't want one token to get, you know, inflated to to the moon and, and just kind of like reserve the other for um, for the token that we kind of push in the market. But yeah, so, so we ended up with a one token system, um, which I think is, you know, pretty, pretty commonplace in NFT projects, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting to kind of look at what Gamify is doing. That's not that. And then kind of look at where they're going as well um, to think about dual and single token systems. Absolutely. And, you know, I kind of, I tend to think like on the marketing and just pure utility side of things that if you can just have one token that kind of does it all and you just have to press a different button in order to make make the token do a different thing, uh, why not? You know, I mean, I guess we could technically have, you know, five tokens for five different uses, but people just get even people that are super technical, you just get overwhelmed. You're like, oh gosh, what token is this? Is this the, you know, is this the, is this the how? Is this the hist? Is this the history? You know, is this a story token? So it's probably a good on you to just keep it as one token, um, just for the 
sake of simplicity, not only for the for the end user, but on your guys' end, on the developer end as well, right? It's just one less thing to worry about. I'm interested in this, um, Sky. So you have this project where you're minting history. You're trying to preserve history on the blockchain. You've got this corporate governance where people are curating it, moderating it, um, trying to decide what should rise to the top. This seems to me like this would be perfect for a little bit of like academic history or people that are historians to get into. Have you gotten any interest from quote-unquote mainstream historians, whether they're part of universities or whether they're just people that we know about that would like, you know, write books like Steven Pinker or something like that. Is that something maybe in the roadmap where you're like, people would want to get involved in this project and help either put a stamp on it or just be, you know, interested on it. There's lots of celebrities that are interested in blockchain stuff. I want to know that. Yeah, that's a really good question and something that we've been looking into fervently. And I really want to shout out our business development team here because, um, you know, we, we recently had our second interview with Kevin Kelly, who's um, founder of Wired Magazine and really just like a really well-respected um, technological, I guess, sort of like Oracle because he's been around in, and he was working in, you know, sort of publications as the Internet came about and his, his publication he was working on moved just straight to the Internet. So he... He's he's been in this space for a while, and he's you know had a lot of really um, dead on calls about what was going to happen with these different um, these different technologies coming about over the last thirty or forty years or so. So I, I would definitely recommend going and checking out um, our interview we did with him on our YouTube channel. Um, he's a great mind. He's a technological optimist, which is kind of refreshing to hear with you know all this negativity going around about especially AI and stuff like that. So it's fun to hear his, his side of things and to get that balance and to think more optimistically about technology. Um, so he's kind of like a nice mix between history and technology, whereas we have this awesome um, basically list, this awesome database of people we're reaching out to right now. Um, and, and I'll show them as soon as we you know get kind of closer contact. But the, the list is really cool. You guys have recognized a lot of the names there. Um, and we're definitely, we're definitely targeting them um this list of you know basically we have writers we have um people in pop culture we have directors movie directors but like historically well-known movie directors and stuff like that so i'm excited for those to come out and and kevin kelly was kind of our big first launch um of, of doing this but as far as like partnerships you know it's not only with these these singular figures we're also um talking with organizations museums history museums art museums we're talking with uh broadcasting stations you know television broadcasting we're talking with uh, a lot of different platforms a lot of people in the music industry publishers artists who are trying to cut out the middleman and and and, um create that kind of um link right there so I, i think there's a lot that's going on in the next you know year or so that'll be our big focus is just to grow that way so yeah great questions wow yeah kevin kelly i'm aware of that name but i guess it would depend on how old you are and whether you've been interested in the history of technology about uh whether you've heard of kevin kelly i just wanted to let everybody know here that he's certainly a pretty famous guy as um sky attributed you know he's he wrote for wired magazine which is an american publication so you know i know that we have a lot of international listeners on these AMAs, it's okay if you don't know who he is. Just look up Kevin Kelly. You'll get more than enough results. Um, and he kind of talks a lot about the history of technology. Um, so that's great. That's great to know, especially, you know, the museums. That's such an obvious answer that I wasn't thinking of. I tend to, I tend to think of museums as only being about art, and that's just not true at all. 
uh, especially, I mean, otherwise, why would natural history and science museums exist? So that is a, another fascinating, interesting thing. Um, I, I'm sure that you don't have any, or maybe you don't have any museums on board now, but could you talk about, I could see for museums as being an interesting sort of interactive exhibit, a sort of customer engagement experience that I would be really bullish on. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, and the thing is like all of these like art exhibits and what I'm hearing from like New York, especially New York, LA. And, and what I've kind of seen is that um, these art exhibits directly are getting kind of just over overrun by NFT artists. And I think it's because it does a lot for, for the artists. And I, I think it'll be similar with the way that museums, museums, artists, um, organizations, um, companies, media outlets are able to connect with their users. And I think this is something that crypto and web three has always thought about and NFTs and tokens are good at is, is connecting companies, connecting organizations to their users and creating a fan base, a loyal fan base through like your own issued tokens and NFTs to be able to, to reach people directly and to have, you know, people more engaged in, in your ecosystem. And um, I just heard recently, you know, big companies are filing patents for, for um, NFT stuff and, and crypto stuff, including Disney. So I, I think like this is just going to be sort of the move for a lot of a lot of companies and organizations. And I think for museums, especially being able to showcase um, works of art or yeah, mostly works of art as NFTs, I think is a really cool new medium that people are exploring and doing really cool things with. I think having, you know, some sort of like uh, user loyalty program or rewards program based on, you know, token holders or uh, based on NFT ownership and granting, you know, access passes or granting some sort of like bonus program um, through, through that sort of relationship is going to be really big in the future. And I think issuing like special collective commemorative NFTs is going to be big as well. Time Magazine did a few, um, a series and I can't remember what the three they lined up were. I think it was three different major technological innovations. Um, the last one being the blockchain. And so that, you know, all, all these companies and organizations that are dealing with, you know, current events, politics, history, art are, are looking into these things. So yeah, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. These um, like when you get like an airdrop of an NFT from an event, because people can kind of like poo poo it away and say like, well, it's not going to have resale value or it's not going to have this or it's not going to have that. That's not really the point, in my opinion. People have been doing this for decades, at least, where it's like, I remember I'm a 90s kid, so I remember going to the first Pokemon movie, and they gave you a Pokemon card. And I was like, yeah, that goes directly with it. And if you're into art, especially digital art, why wouldn't you want, you know, from a special day at the museum, hey, you hook up your wallet, it costs you nothing, they give it to you, it can live on your phone forever. It's this these digital possessions that we have can sometimes be as meaningful, even though they're not as direct, you can't hold them or interact with them in the same way than some of the physical possessions that we have. And I could just see so many different use cases of that to where you could still make them scarce, you know, like if a certain artist or an author was visiting or what have you. Um, and of course, making them geospecific, right? The one, if you went to the Denver Museum of Art or the Denver Museum of Nature and Science is going to be different than in New York. And so they could still be interesting and collectible and um nice it's always just funny to me when people when people don't like them and it's it, it, i guess it's kind of like everybody you know not uh not accepting new technology um at first something i, I wanted to touch on 
as well here, Sky, that I saw here in kind of the notes is that is there a um, is there an initial NFT offering by History DAO that is um, is giving some NFTs or is uh, it, 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 there's a differentiator question here between what the initial NFT offering would be between an ICO and an IEO, and I don't believe we've talked about that. Yeah, so um, that's a good question and something. So, so there's two parts. There's the um, NFTs that we've launched ourselves, and there's two of those. There's an um, on-chain achievement token that you can um, check out that we did with Project Galaxy, Project Galaxy campaign. I think as of about three weeks ago, over 3,000 people had minted those. Um, so I'm sure the number is probably much higher than that now. So, uh, But then aside from that, um, well, that, that's kind of made up of like different parts. So you have like a helmet and a shield and the mace, um, and then they combine together to form the gladiator. So, um, but you do it through, yeah, different achievements. Um, and then the other side is we've launched a um, collection of a thousand history leader NFTs, which um, kind of represent like the dialectic. So basically the form of dialogue established by Plato um, that's meant to discuss and investigate the truth between viewpoints, between individuals, and basically kind of the four steps that Plato lays out or the four sort of um, levels to it is explore, discoverer, researcher, and historian. And they kind of work in that order. So first, you know, you um, humanity goes and explores, um, then they discover new things. Um, after they discover those things, they research them and investigate them. And, and then finally they record them as historians. So that's the goal behind the history leaders NFTs. Um, but as far as an INO, an INO, is an initial NFT offering works similar to like an IDO, ICO, IEO for token sales, but for NFTs. So the main purpose is to, promote, market, launch your your NFT project um, the same way that IEOs, ICOs do for tokens. I think the difference here and what we're trying to do is give that um, give that capability to our users. So where traditionally NFT projects are issued by one organization, one company, and they're issued in sort of like a hot launch where there's a collection of 1,000, 10,000 NFTs, um, we are giving the um, power to our users to launch a history NFT series with an INO. So now users can become like their own little like um, their own little company. They can become you know sort of content creator. It's like um, imagine you know people creating content for YouTube or TikTok or something. Um, these these users are able to create their own history NFT series with an INO, and they use an INO to crowdfund it. But basically, what happens is history NFT series are laid out in such a way that, um, let's say, choose one event that you like or one um, category that you like, and you track that event live as it happens. So, uh, let's say the tennis U.S. Open just happened. I'm, I'm a sports fan. I'm in a couple places. I like basketball, football, tennis, and stuff like that. So, the U.S. Open just happened, and it was Serena Williams' last tournament. And so, basically, how, how the History NFT series would work with the INO function is you would launch your History NFT series right at the beginning of the event, and then you would track certain moments as they happen during the course of that event. And this all happens kind of live. Um, and so imagine you're tracking each, you know, 
um, first round match, second round match, et cetera. You get to quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, and these different NFTs, history NFTs that you create in this history NFT series are going to garner different values. And then you mint them to the public, you mint them to other users. And then at the end of the event, after the event has finished, you have, um, you, you basically release the, the history NFTs and users get to see what they minted and they have different values and trade at, at different valuations based on that. Um, and so that's kind of how the INO and history NFT series features work in tandem. And I know it's a little bit confusing and kind of long winded and we're trying to make it more clear and as clear as possible. So users understand and use it um, properly. But yeah, I, I think it's a fun idea to, to kind of give users the ability to crowdfund their history NFT collections that way. That is fascinating, especially from the live, like, you know, I, I host a sports show as well with Bitmart called the Minor Leagues, where we try and talk about the intersection of sports and crypto. And something that continually comes up is that sports is a market where collectibles have always been a thing, whether it's jerseys, cards, you know, footballs, um, all sorts of wacky, crazy stuff. And so NFTs are kind of like a natural fit for the sports market. Now doing it live, that, that sounds to me, as you described it to me, I thought, oh gosh, I would not be the one, I would not want to be the one documenting it live. But it's also because I don't really follow sports. So that would, just seems like crazy to me to have to keep up with all of it. But to a sports fan, to somebody who likes sports, I mean, this would be just the same thing as documenting statistics or scores or keeping up with, you know, the latest drama. Why not throw an NFT into the mix and be, you know, have people be able to mint it? The other side of that that I was wondering and I thought might be a use case for this is, you know, you're trying to document and record history on the blockchain. And there's all sorts of weird areas of history that come up into the popular consciousness every so often, like, you know, uh, uh, the Roaring Twenties, like documents, you know, in the Roaring Twenties or like the uh, literature of like the beatnik subculture in the 1950s or late 1940s. And so is this also sort of a thing where, like you said, content creators, because we have those on YouTube, people that are just into different areas of history, you know, from, like I said, ancient Greece to the hippie counterculture. Is this something to where if you're a knowledge, if you're an expert in a certain subculture of history, whether it's live or not, this is your chance to create a collection educate people and potentially get rewarded for it. Do I, do I kind of have that correct? Yeah, that's a really good use case for it. And we imagine that with more official partners, but yeah, definitely like, you know, validated historians, people who work in this and, and know these, these events, historical events that, that happen really well. And oftentimes, you know, more information than, than what's listed in one source like Wikipedia. Um, I can imagine, you know, great, great collections. We just recently did one on Queen Elizabeth's, um, you know, life reign, um, history and, and everything that, that she did. So I, I think there's really cool use cases, exactly how you mentioned that there could be. Yeah, it's fascinating uh, to think about. And, you know, and we've gone this entire time, Sky, and I still have not asked you what your favorite historical period is. We were just off to the races there. So I'm going to ask you that here in one second. While I let everybody here in the Twitter space know that uh, you know, we've reached the 30-minute mark, actually the 40-minute mark here. Um, and so if you, you know, if you're intrigued by History Dow, if you think, you know, you have a question you want to ask Sky, why not start lining up right now? Um, because I think that we're kind of coming to the end of discussing History Dow 
as a project here. I'm going to ask Sky if there's stuff that we left out here in a second. But uh, also know that Twitter Spaces has been a little bit wonky lately. And I've noticed, unfortunately, that after the Twitter Spaces, people have said, hey, I tried to ask questions and it, it won't let you go through. So if, if you are trying to ask a question and you want to ask it, but it's not letting you, try and leave the space and come back. That sometimes seems to fix it. I've even had this problem when I've joined Spaces and tried to uh, ask a question. It's frustrating, I know, but hey, it's free. So, so Sky, I would love to know what is your favorite historical period? And I know, don't give me the answer of, oh, I can't just choose one. I'm just asking you to choose one of your favorites. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I was going to tell you I can't just choose one. But uh, let, me, let me frame it this way. So uh, I go through different periods of my life where I like different periods for different reasons. And I realized in high school, I especially liked um, Revolutionary War history, American Revolutionary War history, and World War I, World War II history. And it's because the American school system, education system, very, very much focused on American history. And so that's what I was inundated with. And that's what that's what I always followed and learned about and liked and, and remembered pretty well. And then um, later on, as I you know went to university and studied more of this at university, I got to see more about, you know, more older civilizations, like going all the back all the way back to like Tigris and Euphrates and Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia area. So I really got kind of into that stuff for a while. And then um, being a dual history and literature major, I think if I have to choose one period, it'd probably be 50s, 60s, 70s, um, 1950s, 60s, 70s, mostly in America, um, because of the dual combination of history and literature that was coming out at the time. And post-World War II, America was just sort of like America finding itself in a different way. And obviously, like all the beatnik literature with Jack Kerouac, Alan Ginsberg, uh, Ken Kesey, um, Timothy Leary, all that kind of stuff coming out, the poets coming out from that area, that are, um, I think, also you know, Vietnam War, Korean War, um, civil rights movement, um, just, you know, hippie culture, like you mentioned, just everything going on at the time was just really fascinating. And it's close enough that it feels just like within reach. Um, and it's far enough away that it feels, you know, historical. But I would say that um, would probably be my favorite period of history currently. Okay, well, that was a good answer, because you'd be able to kind of give three answers there uh, in one, I guess. You know, if I had to, I have an answer similar to you. If I had to give my favorite point in history, it always depends on, you know, what age I am, where I am. Uh, ever since I was a child, though, I've been really, really interested in prehistory, um, prehistory of humans. I mean, not like pre-Cambrian history, where it's just talking about rocks. Um, anything I could learn about Aboriginal tribes, you know, the Native Americans, the Native tribes of whatever continent I always found fascinating. Um, because, you know, evolutionarily, apparently we still have a lot of those traits like jealousy and anger and greed and stuff like that, but we don't live in that world anymore. And so I always try and parse that out. But then I think maybe to agree with you there, the, um, the, you know, the fifties and the sixties, not necessarily the seventies, um, just a fascinating era from beatnik to hippie culture where i love reading different histories of it because depending on which side you read it was either when america started to fall apart or when america started to finally live up to its values of freedom and independence and creativity and all these sorts of things so it, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and we're kind of still living in that america today because most of our parents are that age and the current politicians and people that are in companies are that age and it'll be so fascinating i, I try and think about 
what it's going to be like 50 years in the future. And I just, I can't even think even as a blockchain lover, um, because it's just going to be so, so different. And you're, you're totally correct in that you look back at that era and you think, gosh, it was only like 50 years ago, but just with the invention of smartphones and the internet, it seems like it was, it may as well have been on Mars. It, it's hard to believe. And I love talking to older people sometimes and just asking them basic questions like, what was it like, you know, dating or like, you know, there were no credit cards, right? So you just had to pay for stuff in cash. And like, I remember when checks came out in the eighties or I'm sorry, my parents did. They told me it was like a revolution. And so history is just this fascinating thing that I will always, always, um, find crazy to me. So guys, if you have any questions for Sky, now is the time to answer them. I saw that some of you raised your hands, but you have to try and put yourself as a speaker. Unfortunately, I can't do it unless you're, you're requesting to be a speaker. Um, but as we wait for you to do that, if anybody has questions, Sky, I wanted to ask you if there's anything that we haven't talked about here. I've, I've tried to go through the overview of the project. I know that it is both an NFT market and a DAO uh, based on history. It's the first first one to ever focus on historically minting NFTs. We went over that you're on Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain now. You've got some prominent historians like Kevin Kelly that are probably going to be coming in. You've been talking to other people. Um, it's a novel concept. I like it. You, you have user participation with initial NFT offerings. Is there anything that we haven't talked about? No, I, I think you did such a great job of, of getting to everything, you know, about the platform. But also we got to talk a little bit more extensively about history, which I'm always down for. So it was fun going back and forth with you on that stuff. Let's uh, let's move on to the next part. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, guys, if you have questions, you have to uh, you got to actually like request that you have questions. I see that some of you are raising your hands, but like Corey, I think that you probably want to ask a question. But I guys, I can't approve you unless unless uh, BitMart has set up this space so that uh, you can't ask questions, which shouldn't, shouldn't, be, the, shouldn't be the issue. Um, yeah, guys, try and request questions if you want to. Um, but like I said, you have to request so that I can make you a speaker. So please, if you have questions for Sky, do that. I know, Telegraph, you keep... But I can't uh, approve you as a speaker here. Interesting. So if you do want to speak, try this. Leave the space, come back, try it one more time, because um, otherwise it's not showing up, unfortunately. Yeah, are, are comments enabled? Maybe if comments are, are enabled, maybe that would be another way to do it as well. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about the, the settings. I don't think so here. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, let me look here. Okay, give me one second. Dun, dun, dun. There we go. Okay, sorry. My producer didn't make me a co-host, so I couldn't look at the people. Okay, Telegraph, OTW. Great, great, great. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Appreciate that. Telegraph, I'm going to add you as a speaker now, and hopefully you'll be able to speak in one second. All right, Telegraph, you should be approved as a speaker. You can ask Sky a question. Hey, Telegraph, you're a speaker now. Hey, how's it going, Telegraph? Wait, 
Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I have a question. Due to personal reasons, the majority of people have issue with some blockchain technologies. Do you have any plan to support multi-chains in order to assist those people? What blockchain do you currently support? Uh, okay, yeah, so Sky, he's, he's asking you, I think we already went over this, but you can go over it again. He's asking you uh, what blockchains you currently support and which blockchains you're looking to support in the near future. Yeah, um, I think maybe you mentioned something a little bit about, you know, um, different users having different issues with blockchains, but um, or maybe that's kind of more, a more general question about people getting into crypto overall. So maybe I'll address that too. But yeah, we, we currently support Ethereum and um, Binance Smart Chain, and we're going to develop support for the other major blockchains pretty soon here. Um, in the next couple of months, you can look forward to that. And um, as far as, yeah, you know, like bringing on like more Web2 users to the blockchain, to Web3, I think there's a lot of things that people are throwing around that are true about, you know, making user interface more um, more intuitive and making it, you know, kind of this like Web 2.5 idea where users can still use their username and a password to, you know, be a part of the ecosystem if they'd like. Um, and then, you know, figure out wallet address stuff later. But I think... Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of obstacles for people to get into the space, and we just got to keep you know working on them and addressing them and making this technology more appealing to more users. Very cool. Did that answer your question, Telegraph? Yes, sir. Thank you. Amazing. Okay, and thank you for a great question. I'm going to remove you from the speakers now, and we're going to go with OTW Bulan. Says that you're just a boy. Okay. Hopefully you're a, you're a boy with a good question. All righty, you're a speaker now. Uh oh, you disappeared. Okay. Hello, Mr. Nagan. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Yes, a simple question. Thank you for before. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, you can ask Sky a question now. Okay, okay. Just a simple question, sir. I just want your opinion. What do you think the key or attraction of your project? Like, you make people interesting to your project, or what your project expands that only exists to your project to make people interest to join into your project. That's it, sir. Yeah. Um, that's a great question, and I think what sets us apart is our mission to be um, decentralized and democratized, and I think it just works hand-in-hand hand with um, the way that you think about the way that you know maybe America was set up or these, these modern Western democratic nations are set up to, to run, and we want to give power to the people as much as possible to be able to um, not only create content but be rewarded for it through our platform and um, have a DAO that works to sort of govern this this platform and so honestly like everything should be should be run by the community from the the history nfts that they meant and create to the history nft series that they use to crowdfund their collections to the DAO which um governs the the platform basically entirely so we're here to support and you know kind of set up like the, like the constitution of, of history now you know we're, we're here to set up sort of some guidelines or some some ideas or set up the vision of how this thing can run but then it's up to the users to go and, and do that and i think um empowering people 
passionate people to go and, and run these um, organizations is going to be the, the future of, of organizations in general, future of companies, future of, you know, um, how governments work as well. So w- once we get this DAO thing correct, I think um, things are going to really take off in the Web3 space. So that is what I think sets us apart. And we have some really good ideas for how to make that happen. Very cool. OTW. Did that answer your question there? Yes, yes, sir. Very clear. Thank you for the explanations. Perfect. All righty. Thank you, OTW, for the great question. I'm going to remove you from the speakers now, and I'm going to go to Shofiq, I believe. And real quick, before Shofiq speaks, um, you all have been pretty great with the AMAs. I usually don't have to chastise anybody or anything like that. But uh, I just wanted you guys to remember that, uh, you know, please real quick, Shofiq. Sorry. There you go. Um, <clears throat> just wanted to remind you that the um, the language that we're speaking here. Oh, yeah. One, one, one minute, Shofiq. I should have laid these down before we did questions. My apologies. Um, the language that we're speaking here is English. Unfortunately, I don't know any other languages. You know, I wish I did. I wish I knew seven others talking about history here. Uh, that's ancient history at this point. <laughs> and um, the uh, second is no shilling of other projects. We're here to talk about History Dow, ask questions of Sky of History Dow. He's my guest here. And of course, if you're rude, offensive, whatever, you, you know, there's no point in even getting approved here. I'm just going to block you and mute you. You're going to be out of the space. So as long as you can follow those three basic guidelines and, you know, along with maybe a fourth, be in a quiet space so that we can hear you, we're going to be rocking and rolling. Apologize for that, Shofiq. You can ask Sky a question now. Okay, thank you. My question is, what is your marketing strategy and how do you see the project developing over the next few years? Yeah, for sure. I think the second part was, how do you see the the what developing over the next few years? Yeah, yeah. I think he's just asking how you see the, the marketing and the overall kind of blockchain market, especially in this space, developing over the next couple of years. So you, how you might have to pivot or change your marketing strategy in the future. Yes, Got sir. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, our marketing strategy has to do with a lot of the official partnerships and collaborations that we're working on right now. Um, first, we started with Kevin Kelly and, and who we're looking to to coordinate with and collaborate with um, in the future. Our socials have blown up um, since token listing. And even before then, you know, um, I, I think just a few months ago, we were looking at maybe 20, 30, no, 17K followers. I remember, I think that was in maybe February or March, we were at about 17 K followers on Twitter and now we're at 120. So I think continuing to put good content onto our socials, continuing to work with new partners in the web three space, but also obviously outside of the web three space with museums, um, historians, um, um, voices in, in current events and the new cycle currently, um, is going to be our biggest strategy going forward. And I see the space, needing to change in a way to bring on more web two users and not just um, share web three communities. And I think I see also interesting tools being developed for web three marketing that I think is going to blow up. Um, there's a couple of things I see kind of moving in the web three industry. And I think Gamify is one of those. And I think also um, tools for crypto 
projects and crypto companies, including marketing tools specific for Web3 is going to be um, another big thing. So that's kind of where I see the space heading. Good question. Did that answer your question, Shofiq? No, sir. It's okay. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. And thank you for the great question. We're going to move on to Nunyarem. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And then Jay Doe. So, whoops. Let's get you approved here. Da-da-da. All right, Nanyarem, you okay. should be a speaker. Yeah, you can ask Sky a question now. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, great. Yeah. Okay. Um, my question is, is your project available in all countries? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And there are some limitations for token listing um depending on the exchange that we're listing with so i would check into the the um exchanges rules and the exact documentation for um the how token depending on what exchange um um, you're you're picking it up on so um it kind of depends and um, this is kind of true of of different features um in, in crypto generally usually tokens are more restrictive um, as far as the countries that they're available in. But as far as minting NFTs and using the history.platform, users are able to do that all over the world. So um, no no regulations there. Sure. So maybe, you know what, maybe this would also be helpful, Sky, is we know that you're on BitMart, of course, because you're doing a BitMart AMA here. Um, you know, maybe what other exchanges are you on? Of course, we want everybody to only buy on BitMart, but just in case, you know, there's problems with, Bitmart in your country or things like that. Do you happen to have, you know, a short list of like what other prominent exchanges you'd be on? Yeah. Um, go to Bitmart first to pick up your how token. Um, and then if for some reason there is regulations, you can also go to gate.io, Hobby, and um, Mexi. So those are the three other exchanges that that how token is listed on. Gotcha. So basically all of our competitors. So, hey, look, we, of course, we want you to buy it on BitMart, you know, first. But if you can't, you know, crypto knows no bounds here. So hopefully that helps on your rem. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Absolutely. Of course. I'm going to remove you as a speaker now and we're going to go to Jay Doe. Jay Doe, are you a, you're a sailor tiger, sailor lion? We'll see here in a second. I approved you as a speaker here, Jay Doe, but you just haven't connected yet here. We'll give it a couple more seconds, and then I'll try and move on to somebody else. Sometimes it's just it's just Twitter.
All right, Jay, it's not uh, connecting here for some reason, so I'm going to move on to the next person. If you happen to connect, I'll just put you on mute, and you'll be first in line afterwards. Let's try um, Crypto Fox. Maybe you will be added here in one more second. Hey, Crypto Fox, you're a speaker now. Hey, hello. Hey, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, my question, uh, why should I mint NFT on HistoryDoc? I mean, literally, I can mint anywhere, right? So what benefits would I get on HistoryDoc than others? Yeah, I, I mean, it's a fair question. Um, our, our platform is meant for minting history NFTs, and we have an ecosystem of history NFTs. And so users that use the platform will be familiar with what, what that means. And, um, you know, whether you're interested in sports, literature, art, music, anything, um, we've created a platform that has like-minded people following these categories and trading these history NFTs. So um, because of, you know, our specific um um, sort of like niche that we are focusing on, I think that's a good reason to be a part of that ecosystem and to mint on the HistoryDAO platform, as well as use the HistoryDAO marketplace, um, which offers the lowest transaction fees and which we're developing to offer the most information for history NFTs. So if you go to another third-party marketplace like OpenSea or something, they'll have their own um, basically um, UI, which allots for certain NFT properties based on whatever their, their UI is set up for. So whatever their categories and boxes and checklists are set up for, which isn't going to be all the information that you need for a history NFT. So I'd say those are the reasons to go to our platform to mint NFTs on the history DAO platform. And I think you also mentioned too, Sky, that there are staking rewards for the, um, the how token and all sorts of kind of benefits that you can get if you become a participant in the ecosystem. So it's, I guess it's just kind of like everything else. Hey, if it's not your thing, not a problem. There's lots of other projects for you to get involved in. But if history is even slightly your thing, maybe this is something you want to think about. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, minting on the history DAO platform means that you can be eligible for awards, um, weekly, monthly, annual awards, and um, be able to, you know, mint a history NFT series. So there's all sorts of ways to... Um, financially incentivize and and make a profit on the history Dell platform. All right. Did that answer your question there, Crypto Fox? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Gotcha. Yeah, no, thank you for the great question. So we've hit the one hour mark here, and I know that Sky's time is valuable. Guys, let's do, I'm going to get through the rest of the speakers here, which is about four. No, I'm sorry, five. I can't count. So it's five, and then we're going to let Sky go because we know that his time is valuable but thank you for keeping up with the great questions here and you know it's always nice to have questions from other people because i just i can't think of everything right i can think of as much as i can think of and then some of these things i just i don't get we're gonna go with john reeky next and hopefully you will be approved to speak here in one second john reeky you're right there next to Sky, but whether you'll be approved as a speaker is up to the god of Twitter. I approved you, but it doesn't look like uh, you're connecting here. So we'll give you one more second, and then I'll move on to somebody else.
All righty, I'm going to move on to Professor Fleming. Been a long time since I heard that last name, Fleming. Fleming. Hopefully you will be approved to speak here in one second. Hey, Professor Fleming, you're a speaker now. Hey, Professor Fleming, you can ask Guy a question if you want to. Hello, can you hear me? Uh, yes, you're in a little bit of a loud space, though. Could you could you get to a more quiet space? My question is: Your project is very admirable and popular, but needs a platform to maintaining its sensitivity and significance over time. Are you adopting any strategy to promote your project to user and have a strong community to explain your project? That's it. Sorry, could you you, you, you you cut out there at the beginning parts, Professor Fleming. I, I know that you were asking about the strength of the community for the project. Could you repeat the first part, please? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, uh, we didn't get that first part. So <laughs> I'm going to go with, uh, could you explain the, uh, the strength of the community so far for the History Dow project, please, Sky? Yeah, I think a big strength is in that people are really passionate about these different categories that they cover and that we cover. And I think people are willing and happy and motivated to talk about them and post up-to-date information um, about these events as they happen globally. And I think the strength of, of Web3 is that it's all over the world and we have users from all over the place that are interested in this, this space. Um, and so to have users be able to share those moments um, directly I think is, is really big up for us, for our community. And on top of that, you know, it, it feeds into, you know, people wanting to um, govern the DAO, people wanting to be involved in the DAO and to vote on, on the platform. So I think the strength is that we are in a certain sort of niche that people are very interested and passionate about. Yeah, it is a, um, it is a, definitely the history niche is not one that a lot of people seem to gravitate to nowadays. Although as soon as I said that, I was like, that's what every old person has said throughout history, <laughs> literally. So um, interesting. All right, uh, Professor Fleming, it looks like Jay Doe has connected. So Jay, we're going to let you ask a question to Sky. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, sorry for the agenda. It's probably two hours of being with me. Yeah, so um, my question to history now is, um, I have two questions. Now, I'm a fan of history, so um, considering the project, are we going to be able to meet, like, our NFTs depending on whatever whatever history experience has occurred? And uh, wouldn't that, like, I don't know, like, would there be, like, a limit to whoever can mint an NFT on regarding a particular um, experience in the past? And then what are the fees associated with maintaining your platform? Thank you. 
Gotcha. So Jay, you were a little muffled there, but I'm going to try and parse out what the questions you said. I believe you were asking about, you know, can anybody mint a NFT on this platform, even if they don't have like historical expertise? Um, You're kind of asking about like how much expertise do you have to have in history in order to do a historical platform? Then you asked about fees. And then I think you had one other question. Could you repeat that? So I asked, like, if I mint on a platform, is it possible for someone to mint that an NFT on the platform? Yeah, I, I think I kind of understand the question. Um, it's kind of about, like, who mints first and, and copyrights and stuff like that, that, that last part. Um, so I say, um, as far as, like, expertise, that's what we leave it up to the community to decide um, and the DAO to decide. So... Um, not all the users will be expert users, professional historians, things like that. Like a lot of users that create good content, this is true of all sorts of fields and industries and companies is, um, user generated content and it gets proven by, you know, other users reviews. And it's true even for things like Amazon, you know, you, you trust Amazon products based on their star rating. And a lot of this stuff is driven by the communities, um, which are great at governing these things and great at pushing the best content to the top. So, um, you don't need to be any kind of expert, but you know, if you are more knowledgeable about a um, historical source or a category that it'll be um, much easier for your content to get promoted. Um, as far as, you know, sorting out copyrights and someone minting first or, or someone copying a, another history NFT, um, the blockchain is really good at sorting that stuff. So if, you know, timestamps and all relevant data and transparency and all these things that the blockchain and NFTs are really good at and you need unique identifiers to NFTs, um, we'll be able to, to sort that out that way. So, and then we've obviously got that allocation of token funds for litigation if anything comes up. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, idea there sure and i think his last question was if there were any additional fees to mint on history dow versus just the standard blockchain fees oh yeah great question so um you know just like any nft marketplace we do charge um fees based on you know buying and selling but um, we charge lower fees than than third-party marketplaces so we try to entice users to use our platform so yeah perfect so jay did that answer your question Okay, perfect. We're moving on to some of our last speakers here. We've got, uh, I cannot say, ABOSA Pam Miller. That's a very long name. We're going to go to you, then we're going to go to MD Mahide, and then I believe, I'm sorry, that will have to be it. That'll hit the five. I can't keep Sky here all day, people. He does have other stuff that he has to get back to. So, um, AB so Pam Miller, you're a speaker right now if you want to ask uh, Sky a question. Otherwise, I can go to somebody else. Hi, guys. Good evening. Hey, yeah. It's Abisu Pam Miller. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, what's your question? Okay, so, you know, I, I, I want to ask, as an investor, if I'm coming to history deal, uh, what, what am I to look into for me to invest in history deal that's my first question now my second question you know on blockchain everybody can just come and meet nft now going coming to history deal so i i really want to know uh, you know there are some mysteries that are not true so can use can any user just come uh, to history deal and meet maybe uh, some untruth history so i want to ask is there any mechanism Put in place 
on issue DAO to uh, sanction these such users. So I think those are my two questions, sir. Gotcha. Yeah, and I've got to remind everybody here, um, if you can be in a uh, quiet location, it's just easier to hear you. But uh, did you happen to get that, Sky? Yeah, I think I got everything. Okay. Um, as an investor in the History Dell platform, I think there's a couple of ways to be involved. Um, one is to pick up the token um, and to feel confident about picking up a token from any project. I think um, it's crucial, obviously, to do your due diligence and research a project. So um, I would t- take a look at our white paper. Um, I would take a look at our website. I would try out the minting process. I would, you know, obviously go through our socials and join our community and see what's going on in our communities. Um, so I, I think, yeah, it's just important to do your due diligence before, you know, picking up um, a token for any project. Um, but yeah, you, like I said, you can find the how token on those four different platforms I, I mentioned earlier. Um, and then as far as, oh, this is a really important thing that you just brought up about people minting untruths as uh, history NFTs and something that we've created a caveat for. Um, so part of the job of the DAO will be to verify the truthfulness um, or accuracy of history NFTs. So, I mean, since it's minted on the blockchain, it's, it's there forever. And so if users upload that kind of, um, I guess, falsified or untruthful or inaccurate sort of history NFT, um, the, the, the data will still be there. But those aren't things that we will promote on the platform. So if we're promoting a history NFT on our platform um, because it has been voted upvoted by the community, then uh, we find out later um, that, you know, there might be some inaccuracies, then it's up to the DAO to vote on those things and verify and basically verify the verifiability of these history NFTs. So that's a really good um, question that you had there for that second part. All righty. Did that answer your question? Yes, yes, boss. Thank you very much, guys. Perfect. All righty. We're going to be moving on to the last speaker here. Sorry that we can't get to everybody, um, but I've already kind of kept Sky over his time. And uh, also, you know, unfortunately, I do have other stuff to do at BitMart. I'd love to just host AMAs all day. This is one of the best parts of my job. But um, I do have other stuff to get to. So, MD Mahide Hassan, you are going to be the last speaker. You can ask uh, Sky a question now. Hello, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Thank you. So, thank you so much. I can ask my question. Yes, of course. Yeah. Okay. Partnership is always important factor for every project. So, who is your partner? Yeah. Uh, good question. We have honestly a lot, a lot of partners. I repeat now. Oh, sorry, Sky. It looks like Sky actually is the one who uh, who cut out here in one second. Sky, if you want to start from the top, you uh, you started talking and then we couldn't hear you anymore. Sorry, I just had an incoming call. Sorry about that. Uh, no, no worries, no worries. Start from the top and then we're good. Yeah. So um, basically, we have a lot of national partners because we cover a lot of categories and. Um, I think some of the more interesting partners that we work with more closely are projects like Betamars, who is sort of like 3D virtually mapping um, Mars and letting you kind of explore it with your avatar, which is a really cool use case for blockchain, metaverse, web three type stuff. Um, And that's just kind of like really in line with us covering space exploration and technology and what's going on um, daily with, with that. And so I think a lot of users are interested in that kind of stuff and that, that makes them a natural partner for us. I think a lot of these web three projects in the music industry is same thing, you know, we're covering what's going on in entertainment, music, 
um, pop culture. And so us covering that and having a lot of users also very interested in that, whether it's, you know, K-pop, whether it's um, Lady Gaga, whether it's, um, you know, anything going on with music, really. Um, whether it's the Grammys, we covered the Grammys recently. Um, I think that that is another uh, natural partner for us, uh, companies like Voice Street. And then, um, yeah, beyond that, like we, we just have a lot of, you know, openness to working with a lot of different partners and, and being able to collaborate in any way possible. Did that answer your question, uh, MD? No, thanks. Gotcha. Gotcha. All righty. Well, that was the last speaker that we're going to have. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for asking great questions of Sky. You know, if in case you've forgotten or you just hopped in the middle, my guest here has been Sky Harris, the co-founder of History Dow. We've talked about this interesting, unique platform, which is the world's first NST, NFT platform dedicated to minting great moments in history. And if you go to historydow.io, you'll get a great visual representation of what they mean about great moments in history. Uh, not just ancient history, people. It's also live history. You know, Sky talked about how, especially in sports, being able to document live and come with NFT collections. They've got their token, the How token, which is going to be part of their NFT marketplace and give staking rewards and will allow people to participate in the curation and moderation of history. You're not going to be allowed to mint untruths on the platform. There's all sorts of stuff that goes into it, and that's why we archive these conversations because I know, even though I've been here for an hour, I've been asking questions, I've been absorbing it all, I know there's still probably something that Sky talked about that I just, I'd have to take a re-listen. So this is going to be on Crypto Conversations as a full AMA, but since you're here as a live listener, I don't want you to forget that if you've heard the entire conversation now, what did I tell you? At the beginning of the conversation, you know, you're saying, why do I want these how tokens? Why do I, you know, what are they useful for? What can I do with them? Well, now you've heard about the entire project. We've gone, you know, into more than just the basics, and you you definitely would want to get some of the reward amount of these how tokens. We've got 10,000 of those going out to 100 winners, and all you have to do in order to be able to get some of those is to retweet the spaces link that you found this at on BitMart Exchange. Make sure that you follow BitMart Exchange and History Dow. Their Twitter account is at History underscore Dow. Tag three friends. Fill out the Google form that we have attached, and you will be able to get some of those how tokens. So, Sky, um, is there anything left that we have to discuss? I think we've pretty much covered it all. No, I think that's it. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in, and it was great talking with you, Nathan, and, and excited for, for the next round for sure. And, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So everybody, you know, quick, quick uh, goodbye. My guest here has been Sky Harris, the co-founder of History Dow. And since we have nothing left to discuss, I just want to say goodbye to Sky and thank him so much for being part of this AMA. Thanks, everybody. All right, everybody. Goodbye to everybody out there in crypto land. Bye, everybody. Hello to everybody out there in crypto land. Did you enjoy that conversation? I know that I did. It's always interesting to learn more about crypto projects, NFTs, and what is going on in this very unique industry. But now we've got to get some legal stuff out of the way, all right? It's just the way that it is. So I wanted to let you know that all opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests 
are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of Bitmart. Bitmart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. Bitmart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk.